The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on Sunday. This is Sunday. about the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. Guns up, kitty up. Welcome to the Friday Breakdown. Today's show is brought to you by GhostBed.com and MyBookie.com, baby. I'm here with the easy, the steezy, the beautiful, true breezy, my co-host, my co-host with almost 30 years of detective experience and myself as a former law enforcement in the Raleigh, North Carolina area, here today to break down the Allen Outlet Mall hero who takes out a mass shooter. Uh, we covered a little bit of this uh, after it happened initially, but now that we have the totality, we have all the body cam, thought it'd be a good way to finish up the 4th of July week on a happy note. It was a sad note, but it was also a happy ending, if that, if that makes sense. If it's, it's happy-ish. Maybe it's not a happy ending, but it's a happy-ish. There it is. Uh, if you're tuning in for the first time, we are live on YouTube's every Friday at 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. And Drew Breezy has just put a picture of myself with my mullet next to a bald eagle who has a mullet as well. And that makes me feel good because it makes me feel even more American. Yes. <clears throat> Well, yeah, thank you. Uh, happy birthday, America, for uh, our independence. And, um, yeah, today's going to be a, a, a fun show. Uh, you can't make an active shooter lighthearted. I promise uh, we do hold reverence for the victims that were killed in this, and we'll talk about them. But <clears throat> at the same time, uh, we don't want to be heavy all the time, and we certainly want to talk about the heroic actions of this uh, officer in Allen, Texas, that, uh, that took care of business. I think it's important to note that we do break these cases down from a police perspective, not mainstream media's perspective, not higher echelons perspective, not the senior leaders who are politicized and trying to make them about real street cops. This is what real street cops talk about. This is how we feel or generally how street cops feel about these cases. We are just a voice of the street cops of the First responders that are in the meat wagons, the EMS trucks, the fire trucks, uh, the guys in the locker room that are all stressed out because nobody really has had their voice. That's why the show started three years ago and has grown exponentially, nearing almost three million downloads. And it's all because of you. If you'd like to support this show, all you have to do is go to YouTube and hit that subscribe button. Um, but even more importantly is wherever you're listening to this, it's 99% of you guys listen to this show, please Leave us a five-star rating and review on Spotify, iTunes, or uh, wherever you're downloading this podcast. Most of you Spotify or iTunes. So just go and leave us a five-star rating or review if you would. And if you hate us that much, leave us a one-star. But just tell us why um, so we can get better. But uh, we also have a Patreon, which is a paid membership, which has lots of extra content where we say things that YouTube won't let us say, frankly. Uh, we go there on that show. But we do bring you five shows a week here on the Ferris Top Podcast channel. Something different every single day, all geared towards keeping first responders awake, alive, and giving them something to listen to other than mainstream media all day long. Uh, do we have any news? Uh, we do. We today? have a couple Cop news items. News? We, we have a couple news items that I want to talk about. First of all, uh, the uh, Alabama tends to get things wrong, as we know, in the Ben Darby case. Ben Darby is obviously going to be retried uh, soon. Uh, I, I think the dates were set. I don't know what the dates are, but I did see an update on um, his wife's uh, Instagram page uh, that 
the same prosecutor is going to retry the case. So he won this uh, reversal of his conviction and um, was freed. Uh, but now he's going to have to face trial again. And if you don't know anything about the Ben Darby case, please do your own research, make your own judgments, look into it. But this is a travesty. There's two this things is... in this world that I'm pro. It's I'm pro Anne Frank and I'm pro Ben Darby. Yeah, okay. So. That's that's uh, feasible. But the, the, the thing is, like, even in this uh, active shooter response we're going to talk about today in Allen, Texas, I noticed that a lot of the news articles were focusing on the fact, even the news release from the, the city itself, the news release focused on the fact that um, the grand jury came back with a no bill. So meaning uh, it is the standard and it is the norm that when there is a police shooting, they're going to put it in front of the grand jury. Like it's almost a given. And it's a roll of the dice of whether the, the grand jury believes that it was um, proper use of force because the, you know, the, the prosecutors have a lot of leeway in those grand juries. It's not like you're, you know, you're going to be able to testify in your defense and all that other stuff. So, um, so, but here's something uh, <clears throat> on the other side of Alabama. Uh, the state of Alabama, for, according to lawofficer.com, uh, is uh, going to pay a million dollars to the survivor of a deputy murdered by cr by a criminal that was early released from prison. He's uh, Deputy Brad Johnson. He was gunned down while he was engaged in a vehicle pursuit with a career criminal who was uh, uh, driving a stolen car at the time. So he was with the Bibb County Sheriff's Office in June of uh, 2022. He was pursuing a suspect in a stolen car. He later sub, uh, succumbed to his in, in, injuries. Um, the the gunman, Ash, Austin Patrick Hall, uh, was subsequently arrested by the Marshal Service after a, a massive manhunt. Well, the, the, the payout announcement came from Alabama, uh, Alabama Governor Kay Ivey on Wednesday. She said that Johnson's estate will receive $1 million in compensation from the state. Uh, so... Uh, he had been this guy that shot him had been previously sentenced to 10 years in prison for an unspecified crime, but only served four years due to good time provisions. So obviously he was having a good time in there. He received an early release under the plan, despite an escape to, uh, despite an escape from prison work release center in 2019. Fundamental flaws in Alabama law granting correctional incentive good time to inmates failed Deputy Johnson and his family, Ivy said in the statement regarding that homicide. So a million dollars goes to the family. Hopefully we start seeing some more of that. Some of these states uh, are being held financially accountable. Certainly law enforcement agencies have been held financially accountable for years and years for what a jury can simply call misconduct because it's just a preponderance of the evidence. It's not proof beyond a reasonable doubt. So <clears throat> not only are the agencies getting hit financially, the officers are getting hit criminally in um, proof beyond a reasonable doubt criminal cases. So we're taking double and triple whammy sometimes. It's good to see that the state of Alabama is paying out a million dollars to this guy's estate. So Alabama's got to do something because they got a very high murder rate. I think the highest in the country by states. Sounds right. So obviously whatever they're doing is not correct, and we should do the opposite. Much like Chicago or L.A. or Seattle, I'm not sure why we uh, hold those cities as being like so powerful as they are because they do things so badly it seems 
Uh, also, some good breaking news in the uh, true crime community, something uh, Andrea up late on Night Shift will enjoy because we covered this case. But if you guys remember Cleotha and um, uh, what was her name? Um, uh, it, it's uh, hold Jesus. on one second. Uh, I, uh, Eliza, Eliza Fletcher. Fletcher. I'm so sorry. Jinx. This Jinx. is breaking news, by the way. Uh, it came out yesterday. Um, so they're, they're seeking out the death penalty. She was, Eliza was the one that was running and he got kidnapped and this dude like beat the, just beat her to death. Um, and and I guess, uh, you know, I'm, I'm assuming there was a rape involved. There was a big rape kit and all those things. And I can't remember the case completely. That was on our true crime, uh, covered by Andrea Uplate. Uh, but if you want to go and look at that, it's the Eliza Fletcher case where she was kidnapped, but they are now seeking the death penalty, um, for Cleotha. I thought Cleotha was one of the worst names of all time. When you name your kids, you got to pay attention to things like that. Don't name your child after something that sounds like a cancer uh, in the ass. Or a body You know part. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. My Cleotha is flaring up. I've got Cleotha <laughs> cancer. Yeah. I don't know. Just sounds depressing. Men can never else? find the Cleotha. <laughs> I've been looking for the Cleotha, the Cleotha for years. I still haven't found it. <laughs> So is the Marshall Service, ironically. Well, listen, uh, we're at the 10-minute mark. Let me give a huge shout-out. Uh, happy birthday to uh, Hope Wolf. Uh, we were just in uh, Charlotte for her birthday, 80th birthday. Happy birthday to her. Had a great time celebrating there. Um, and then uh, my wife's Uncle Don uh, found out about the show. <clears throat> Says he's going to listen. So, Uncle Don, if you're tuning in, brother... Uh, it's good to have you, and I hope you enjoyed today's breakdown, which is brought to you by MyBookie.com. Listen, I know Uncle Don's really into baseball. Not sure if he's a betting man or not, but uh, if you're into baseball, if you're into the sports, if you're into the leagues, and you want to have a fun, you want to spice that day up, listen, you're spending $100 a month on lotto tickets, maybe maybe you got a budget for lotto tickets. There's no difference. It's still gambling, baby. Instead of putting $100 down on the lottery, why don't you put $100 on some entertaining bets on MyBookie.com? Why don't you bet on how long the national anthem's going to be? Why don't you bet on what inning uh, the mascot's going to come out and do his little dance? Why don't you bet on something cool? What color shorts are they going to wear at the next UFC fight? Uh, and these are things that you can win if you're actually doing some research, spending a little time. Instead of just throwing $100 to a bunch of random guest numbers, you could literally do some research and probably come up with a good hypothesis on what on what's going to come on these entertainment bets. They also got the blackjack stuff. They got the whole casino thing going on, the online casino. Lots of lots of new things coming out from MyBookie.com. We're partnered up with them through the summer. All you got to do is use that promo code WOLFPACK, which gets you a bunch. Do you remember what it gets you? Um, Listen, I, I think it gets you free spins. I, I think it gets you enhancements in the blackjack table. Oh, I think it, because they're a full service online casino. So VIP uh, perks, get those VIP uh, perks. Yeah, because they have a separate VIP perks program. But the, but a bit, but my bookie with the code Wolfpack, I think, is also going to get you some bonus cash. I'm pretty certain that's part yeah, of the does. deal. Yeah, it does. Uh, don't hold me to it. I'll bet it's part of the deal. Get it. Yeah, part of the deal. Your adventure at MyBookie Casino begins today with a generous sign-up bonus using promo code WOLFPACK. That's promo code WOLFPACK to secure yourself a sweet, sweet deposit bonus. And that's not all, because their revamped loyalty program ensures that you'll be showered with rewards, including free spins, cashback offers, and a host of exclusive VIP perks. The more you play, the more you win, unlike the lottery. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't know, man. I listen. I know so many cops that do these pools 
for the lotto. Sure. And um, I also know a bunch of cops who were betting on the baseball games, the football games, the tennis matches. Look, mybookie.com, you can bet on anything on that mother. Mm-hmm. Anything. So I'm going to be doing that all summer long. I'm, I don't spend my money on the lotto. I like to do these entertaining bets. I don't go crazy. I'm not a great crazy gambler or anything like that. But I do have fun when I'm with the boys, uh, the SWAT team uh, locally. They, they watch all the UFC fights together, the big primetime fights. They watch them all together. And they're always placing little bets. So, uh, you know, this summer we're going to be using my bookie for those, and I'm, I'm really excited. Uh, Drew, let's get into this Allen Outlet Mall Hero. Let's. Uh, we've talked before about the suspect. Uh, he was, you know, he became pretty controversial or the main topic because he was a persons of color white supremacist and that Mm -hmm. kind of baffled everybody there was a lot of you know i don't know if it was conspiracies i I mean i guess that's what you call it conspiracies there was a lot of things going on and if you google this you know they probably talk more about the white supremacy than anything else but when we have a mass shooting in a gang neighborhood that involves many gang members we don't talk anything about that. Is that not a hate crime, Drew? You're a detective. Uh, Is that not a hate crime? If I'm Crips and I hate Bloods and I go out and I shoot 12 Blood members at a nightclub or 12 people while I'm aiming at predominantly Blood gang members, is that not a hate crime? It's not. It's not based on an ethnic. It's not uh, a race. It's not a yeah. Well, I mean, it's a race to see who can die quicker. But I mean, it's it's a in that sense. But it's not. Uh, it's not race, race, ethnicity, religion. Uh, there's three or four categories, or five or six maybe categories. Yeah, can we that, not add? Can we not add like like what, you know? Uh, I think it throws the stats off because to well, me, th- it seems pretty hateful to hate a person based on their gang affiliation. <laughs> that's like a religious <laughs> affiliation. You know what I mean? Like, what, yeah. if a Christian goes out and kills a bunch of Catholics, that's a hate crime. But if a but bunch the- of Bloods go out and kill Crips. We're cool with that. I, I think that it's um, th- there's a uh, well. I mean, the motorcycle gangs have been doing that for years as well. And well, I mean, again, throw them in the mix. Yeah, th- there are enhancements though for ga- there, there are gang enhancements as opposed to hate crime enhancements. So, oh, okay. um, you know, if you're a certified gang member and you commit a crime on behalf of the gang, then there's an enhancement in your penalty in in your um, in your charge, which is usually just a degree above what okay. the the charge is anyway so if it's like a i mean if it's a first degree murder it might turn into a capital murder or or a first degree murder probably would be a capital murder but if it's a manslaughter it, might, uh, it usually goes one degree higher i'm not explaining it right but i, I just it, there's a lot of talk a lot of google webs about uh the white supremacy and the neo-nazis and it got me thinking a lot when I was reading these articles. It's like, what if we put as much time educating people on gang members and how ridiculous those are as we do in showing people how ridiculous being a neo-Nazi is? Because to be fair, when you join white supremacy, you're basically joining a gang. No, you are joining a gang. That is a gang, yeah. It is a gang. Mm-hmm. But you don't ever, when there was a gang shooting in Atlanta at the nightclub, 
with a lot of gang affiliated gang members. You know, if there were that many white supremacists there, that they would consider that a white supremacist event, right? They would right. consider that to be a neo-Nazi <laughs> event. It would right. be the only thing you hear it about. But because it was predominantly gang members and there was a lot of affiliated gang members, they don't talk about that at all. They don't mention at all that anybody there was an affiliated gang member. Why is it not as bad and ugly to be a blood gang member as it is to be a white supremacist? Yeah, um, I, I can't answer that. The, the, I, I can tell you this. Uh, so that that's what makes white supremacy. If you'll notice, all of the things that the government uses to scare us the most are unquantifiable. So, like you know, this climate change or whatever—not to take it you know on a right turn—but it's the same thing as white supremacy is the uh, existential uh, existential is a big threat to our society <laughs> like it's the biggest threat right so white supremacy blah 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 but but can you quantify white supremacy i mean you just said it a minute ago there there are white supremacist organizations there are neo nazi organizations or you know white pride or 13 words or all these other like you know uh ideological gangs that are right. white supremacists ku klux klan which i think has probably about 200 members nationwide if i you know if i'm just throwing out numbers but um the, so those are defined gangs gangs are like have a specific definition like like-minded individuals that dress alike that are looking for uh, that that are continuing a criminal enterprise you know there's all these little elements in there so when you say something like yeah white supremacy is the uh, the most uh, existential threat to our society in the United States of America what does that mean what are you talking about are you talking about white people running corporations are you talking about white supremacist groups are you talking about um you know uh governors killing dei programs or right it's it's unquantifiable so and and, and by the way to your point i mean if this guy is a true white supremacist and he targeted people based on their race it is a hate crime now you know this particular mall shooting would have been death to offender anyway i mean he's dead but so it doesn't matter. But you know, it, it, would it be classified as a hate crime? I mean, you know, like the Pulse was definitely a hate crime. That's, you know, it, it was a mass shooting that where he was targeting homosexuals, and boom, he you know he wiped out, you know, several people like that. But uh, can you call this a, a hate crime? I, I I say no. I mean, I, I don't think he was targeting any specific group. I think he was targeting a a soft target with a bunch of people in it. Yeah, I mean, it's weird how crazy this guy got um, and kind of how fast and rapidly he got crazy. And everybody noticed it. Even the military was like, yeah, dude, you're a little bit too nuts. We're going to kick you out. Uh, his his social media was ramping up um, insanely. And, uh, you know, again, I always account this to bad parenting or bad friends. You know, you, listen, if, if, you know, I start posting stuff like this, I guarantee you, my dad doesn't even social media, and he'd catch wind of it, and he'd call me and be like, what are you doing? I mean, I, dude, I'm 40 years old almost, and I posted some stuff on the internet that my dad's called me. And he, like I said, doesn't have Facebook or Instagram anymore. He dabbles. He gets on it and then gets off and then gets on and gets off it. You know, he'll call me and be like, what am I hearing about you being on this social media? I mean, holding you accountable whether you like it or you don't. Uh, but nobody was holding this cat accountable at all, and it led to a, a pretty pretty serious i mean they're all serious mass shootings um in alabama but uh, we do have a hero Texas. in all of this oh i'm sorry 
Texas. You were talking about Alabama earlier, so yeah, because uh, we were talking about Ben Darby. Um, but yeah. So anyway, uh, he did have the tattoos though, which were, were pretty strange, right? The yeah, I I had heard, and I, and I'm telling you, I didn't do any, uh, I didn't delve any further into this, but I had heard that they were fresh tattoos first of all, and they second were, of all, yeah. it was um, it was like a Russian based. Uh, blog that reported about all of that right. i i yeah, mean I, Nazi. I yeah i just i didn't look any further into it i i could tell you this there's a famous tweet uh when the supreme court did their um when they when they did away with uh affirmative action and there's a famous tweet where this you know obviously white buffy kind of says you know no black person will get ahead in life now because of blah 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 do, do, do you yeah, know what i'm talking about yeah we okay. talked about it on uncuffed with uh jay Durrell. it's um, um it's actually n- nobody can find that person n- nobody can actually oh. pin down that person nobody knows oh. who she is the account like if you just it's just a circular account so the thought in theory is that's that right there is Russian. This, it, like, it came from a, oh, okay. a, a, a wow. farm in, what do they call those? Uh, not Tweet Farm, but they, they, it came right. from the uh, false information farm in, in Ukraine or wherever. I mean, you know, yeah, that, Ukraine, that's funny but. because the, uh, you know, the whole gay cake, I mean, the gay website thing that's going on right now where the yeah. woman's like refusing to make a gay website. One, she's never met, made a wedding website before. She's a website creator, but she doesn't do websites. And the people who solicited her to make the gay website aren't gay. The guy's been married for yeah. five years to a woman, and he's just an activist, and he's just farming to see uh, who he can sue for civil rights violations and make some money off of them. Um, but the conversation was very like, I don't know. I'm not really like, you know, I don't really want to put myself out there like that, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, but she wasn't like denying she wasn't. She wasn't denying a service that she provided. It'd be like if I was a if, if I specialized in flowers and making your garden look pretty by color, and then you said, hey, "Well, hey, can you mow my yard too?" And I'm like, "Ah, man, I don't know, dude." And you're like, "Oh, and by the way, it's like a super nice mansion, and everybody's gonna see it from the road because like I have a badass huge yard." And I'll be like, "Yeah, I don't want to. It's gonna get a lot of public attention. It would be my first one. I don't think so." You know what I mean? It's not like you're denying a service. A service. Yeah, th- th- like I made reference to this before because that trans person was all up in arms because she couldn't get um, – she transitioned from man to woman, and she couldn't get the attention of a gynecologist. She couldn't She couldn't get a gynecology appointment. And the, the exact quote that I've said is, a pool cleaning company has the right to reject you as a client if you don't have a swimming pool. <laughs> so, like, so I and and I don't find, I I do find uh, where it may hurt your feelings. I don't see where it violates your civil rights. This is not how you were born, and it's not to. It's just that's a medical. It's a it's a medical fact. Like you you can't you can't make something into what it's not. Um, but here we are. I mean, and and it's because we've given in to like not wanting to offend and f- listen if we're all adults about it we don't need to offend we don't need to run around and intentionally offend each other uh, we don't need to invoke the name of religion uh or, you know just to say what you're doing is wrong just 
everybody do what you're going to do. Just, just, I mean, my main thing is leave the fucking kids out of it. Like, <laughs> it's got nothing to do with it. Dude, like, let's go see this movie. Are we going to, let's do a watch along on Patreon. Yeah, let's, can we do a watch along on Patreon? I guess a lot. I guess we can. By the way, I think Deadleg is dead because I, I messaged him last night and he's not here this morning. So, Oof. Uh, but let's see if we can get up with Deadleg and see if we can make a, a Patreon watch along. By the way, if you want to join our Patreon and join us for a live watch along of that movie, that's happening because I want to watch it. I think we can watch that together and uh, we can commentate it as we go, kind of talk about how we feel. <laughs> get our the feelings feels. out. Uh, get our feelings out. By the way, my feelings get a lot better when I sleep on a ghost bed. Ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack. Still on. 50% off for the uh, 4th of July sale. These are beds made in the good old USA. 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 My USA. favorite talking about ghost bed is that they literally support, and when I say they support law enforcement, veterans, that's who they promote. They only go on, not only, but majority of the shows that they sponsor are pro-military, pro-law enforcement podcasts and shows. They want to support ex-LEOs. They want to support veterans. They want to support uh, active duty military. Their customer service is superbo. Um, and we just absolutely love Ghostbed. They have the cooling pillow. So if you get hot in Texas, uh, you know maybe that's this part of this guy's problem. Wasn't getting enough sleep. Uh, he was too damn hot all the time. And anything can break a man. Agitated. All those things combined can break a man. So, you know, I always say there'd be a lot less mental health issues if everybody got a good night's sleep and if everybody had a ghost bed. Uh, so instead of spending all your money on the psychotherapist and the psycho meds and all the prescriptions, just first try. If you're all, if you're doing those things and that's not even working and you're thinking about doing a mass shooting, before you pull the trigger, invest in a ghost bed. Before you spend the rest of your life in BF that's butt uh, prison, buttfuck prison. Before you do that, just invest. J- j- listen, that's only one AR-15. Just invest in a ghost bed. Get you a week's worth of good night's sleep and see if that helps. Just you, see you, if it helps. You, what, what do you have to lose? You'll get your what do you money have to back. Lose? Yeah, right. 101 nights. Try it out for 101 nights. Not 99, not 98, but 101. Try it out for 109. If you still don't like it, send it back. And then please call 911, please do something, but don't do it. Just yeah. listen, I promise you, I promise you, you get a good night's sleep and things will change for the better. Mm-hmm. And a good night's sleep starts with ghost bed, which is sleep so good it's scary. It's so scary how much better you will feel and how much better you will react to things. Uh, and you'll make better life decisions. So go to ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack right now. Listen, 4th of July, 50% off. Get you the bed. You got that adjustable base. You can package it all together. 0% down, 0% financing. And that's if you have uh, firefighter credit. So sure. uh, head over to ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack. Get you that ghostbed pillow. Wouldn't have survived 4th of July weekend in Charlotte, North Carolina, if I didn't have my ghostbed pillow with me. So. Uh, huge fan of the ghost beds Listen, and a f- fan of the ghost bed pillows. Supporting first responders in the moral sense. Supporting first responders in the literal sense. Yes. Yep. Yep. Less 911 calls when everybody's getting a good night's sleep. Listen, you don't want to be out boozing and losing when you got a ghost bed to get home. You're just like, dude, 9 o'clock rolls around. You're like, man, I could booze it and lose it or I could go home and get a good night's sleep. Oh, let me get on my ghost bed. Let me turn on failure to stop on the YouTube channel. Oh, let me just binge. Oh, give me a nice glass of wine, light a candle, grab the lotion and some tissues. Get down in my ghost bed, turn on failure to stop, and cry. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> That's what you do, and then the lotion is to so you're not ashy. But yeah. anyway, guys, uh, let's jump into this ashy. Allen Outlet Mall 
uh, hero. Um, I want to go ahead and play the video. We're just going to walk through this. Uh, everything is crazy about this case, uh, but this shooting is a well. It's hard to say things. It's hard to get. Listen, I'm going to get pumped up. I'm gonna get a little bit motivated. Please don't take it the wrong way. Uh, but we could cry all day about all of this, and we do. We have. We've we've taken over a month uh, to mourn this. And uh, but there are some things that can be celebrated through this. Yeah, that's we, the celebration of fear, uh, of heroism, the the celebration of the lives that were saved, and um, a celebration of a job well done. Very good. I will forever mourn the victims. Forever, forever. Um, let's go ahead and roll that beautiful bean footage, if you would. Uh, and this whole make thing sure starts good, off. Okay, and make sure you wear your seatbelts when mommy's driving. Okay, you understand? Okay. Okay. All right. Alright, you'd be good. We're gonna add commentary to this, but it's from CBS eleven in Texas. He's just having a conversation with uh, a family. Let's go ahead and stop this really quick. Let's go ahead and stop this. God, I love this as a cop. Man, I love this as a cop. You've got a Hispanic Latino female. Um, she's wearing athletic garb, her son's in a baseball outfit. The, it looks like a littler son or a littler daughter. I'm trying to tell these days. Their faces are blurred out, too, on the CBS News article here. Uh, and he's wearing a soccer uniform. So what we have is a very involved parent that's got their kids in athletics. They appear to have taken the time to walk across this this parking lot to acknowledge a police officer, thinking for a job well done. And she's going to go on here to say how much she appreciates the police. And that's great. Uh, did you like that as a cop? I loved that I loved as a it. cop. It made me feel good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now when I, you go, um, tell Johnny if he doesn't wear a seatbelt, he's gonna go to jail. Ooh, tell him that. I hated big, that. I hated big that. No, no, no. Yeah, big no, no with me. There are two things that are a big no, no with me when I was in uniform: uh, threatening your kids with my uh, arrest powers. That's definitely a no, no. That's gonna get you embarrassed in front of your children. I promise you. If if you ever do, if you did that when, uh, I, and I offer no apologies. If you did that to me when I was in uniform, you say if. You don't stop yelling. He's going to arrest you. I promise you, I embarrassed you beyond oblivion if you did that. Second, and this gets me every time, I used to work a, a large-scale festival every year, 11 straight days. It's called the Florida Strawberry Festival. Oh, and uh, so it, a couple hundred thousand people go through that, maybe millions. So uh, kids get lost. And it, it's very, um, you know, it's it's a fun time. It's carnival. It's very family, no alcohol. You know, it's very family-oriented. And um, kids get separated all the time, and there's nothing more terrifying to a kid than being separated oh. from their parents. And I'm sure there's nothing more terrifying to the parent than the kid being separated. However, when you reunite them, you don't yell at the kid. I mean, no. I, like, it's it's already a terrifying moment. This is This is me talking. I, I am a parent uh, for a grand total of 11 months, maybe, uh, right now, a step-parent to, you know, growing children. But uh, God forbid they get separated. I know the fear and terror. I've been separated at a fair as a child, and I know the fear that those kids feel. And then when you get them back with their parents, it's a happy moment. We're all back. We're all together. Nobody, you know, it's the, nobody got Adam Walsh out of the whole deal. Nobody got kidnapped. We're, we're happy. Let's go get some kettle corn over here. Let's try the strawberry shortcake. It's a happy moment. Don't ever fucking yell at that kid for, this is what you get when you walk off. That's horrible. That's going to yeah. re-traumatize that kid for the rest of his life. 
And uh, yeah. also turn them off to walking up to a police officer and saying, hello, excuse me, I'm separated <laughs> from my parents. It's like the dog when it runs away and you catch it and then you beat the shit out of it. Like the dog's not coming back. Like the next yes. time he's like, yeah, I'm not coming back. You're going to beat the shit out of it. that ass whipping. Like, you know, your kids are basically on the same level as a dog. Um, no, I'm, okay, I'm so I, but, I'm sorry uh, I took but this But uh, what I like to say is they're like, see, see, you keep begging up. That cop's going to come over here and arrest you. And I'll be like, Oof. yeah, if, you're, if, you're, uh, if your mom and dad can't figure out how to be better parents... Yes, I'm gonna have to separate you yes. guys. And they're like, "Wait, what? Did he just? Uh, did he yeah. just? Wait, hang on. Huh? Yeah, I like to kill him with that one. Yep. Um, but yeah, I love this. You know, and she—he's got this open handed kindness, but he's still stern, which I love. I love that to discipline in a police officer. I think that people should uh, respect police officers and their authority. I hate when cops um, try to like not have any authority uh that i think that paints a, a terrible picture as well so he's very kind and nice but he's still authoritative he's like wear your seatbelt i'm still you know what i mean like Th this good is for kids to acknowledge that yeah that this is his job discipline like yeah he's not he's not big time in anybody he's not walking right by him he's actually taking the time to have the conversation with them and he's he's giving them advice like now you wear that seatbelt because we don't want you to get hurt you know what I mean? Yeah. He's not love it, it dude. Love yeah, it. I like it. But do you think this guy came to work today and said, "Today's a day that I'm gonna save the world"? No, I'm gonna save Allen, Texas. You think that's? Uh, you no, think right is... now? Do you think right now he has done ten or fifteen jumping jacks, stretched his quads, uh, <laughs> rolled around on the mat, done Just a few dry his, uh, fires, wearing his comfortable training uniform? Yeah, he's got his you know got his athletic sneakers on. Definitely has matching socks. <laughs> um, on as well. I mean, you think that's what's going? You think he's prepared right now for a gun battle? No, uh, I don't the, think so. How hot do you think it is there in Texas right then? It's probably just it judging hot. by the yeah by the video. I'd say it's probably two hundred and six degrees out. Yeah, global warming adds another twenty percent to that. So yeah, whatever that math is. Um, so it's hot, you know. And and right now he's definitely not in a warrior mindset. Go ahead and push play. Craggy Cassidy, thanks for hammering the like button. 145, I think we got shots fired at the outlet mall. I got people running. Okay, he's taking a survey of what's going on here. He's getting on the radio, specifically saying. Get going, get going, get moving! And he abandons his car, he grabs that rifle out, and he goes to work. And so he's running. They're moving further away from me. He's running probably to the sound of gunfire, but there's also probably people, you know, pointing him in the right direction. Now, let's go ahead and stop really fast. Yeah. I probably heard close to like doom, 10 doom, or 15 doom, doom, gunshots, doom. Yeah. maybe yeah. more. Um, also, it's as a video, and so our ears are going to be a little bit different, but there was a lot of echo going on even on the video that echo was probably 30 times worse in the real incident um probably not the easiest thing in the world to figure out where that's coming from just by the first few rounds and if you notice i think for a second he stops and he looks in the opposite direction of where the gunshots were coming from it wasn't until he got his gun out of his car and he kind of turned his good ear and the shot started ringing again that he snapped his body around 180 degrees i don't know i haven't talked to this officer yet but i wonder if those first shots from the echo off of the buildings that were to the right of him is that why he snapped to the right instead of the left where he runs to eventually yeah i don't know either um i, I do know this 
he took um, he took a ribbon somewhat, or or people use this as the opportunity to pounce on physical fitness on the job, which uh, you, you're never gonna get a uh, like you're not gonna get an argument out of me. I'm telling you, I wasn't in the best shape when I was out there, and I felt it. I'm not in the best shape right now. I mean, you know, I'm a couple five k's away from you know being where I should have been when I was on the job. This guy. His adrenaline went from literally zero to 100 because he's hearing gunshots, multiple gunshots. He went from talking to two little, what, maybe nine and six, a nine and six year old and their mom. So you're talking about the least defensive posture to the most defensive posture. He grabs his rifle, he starts running with uh, all that equipment on, and yeah, he's out of breath. I mean, You've got 30, 35 pounds of equipment on. You're in the hot Texas sun. You probably got your vest on. And if you'll notice, he's parked at one end of the parking lot. The buildings are at the other end of the parking lot. So, And, and I think you always forget to breathe. Um, you do. You do. In a situation like this, you just stop breathing. Yep. We call that um, – I can't remember the term for it, but we call, right. we call There's it There's a term out there for it. We'll get into it later. Go okay. ahead and push play. I'll also say that the uh, the body camera footage always makes you look slower than you're really going. Yeah. Because of the wide angle. Honestly. Like, that was probably more like a sprint than it was a jog. He's still hearing rounds being ripped off. Okay, so he's keeping everybody informed. He's saying that he's still shooting. I'm trying to get to him. You hear sirens in the background. The cavalry's coming. But he's still walking. He's still running. He's still moving towards now, the threat. I would stop here and say, like, you know, a lot of uh, – because I did see a lot of the comments like, oh, this is why you got to stay in shape. You know, yeah, you're right. This is why you got to stay in shape, sure. But you can't just full-on sprint in these kinds of things. No. One, you have to get a shot off at some point. Um, and you can't expend all of your energy. You know, at this point, this is like a 400-meter sprint. Um, go ahead, go put 30 pound weight vest on and go sprint as hard as you can for 400 meters and then take a hundred, a hundred yard shot with your, with your rifle. Can it be done? Sure. Absolutely. Not the easiest thing in the world though. And especially when you have to be perfect, because if you miss, you're going to hit civilians and it'll be the shot or the bullet hurt around the world as well. So, um, you, you, you gotta, you know, this guy's taking into account all of these things and, (laughs) We don't know where the shooter is at. So you can't just sprint around until he takes a bullet and it's like, oh, there he is. No, you've got to run, walk, figure out where you get your bearings right. You don't want to pass the shooter. What if, you know, there's just so many things going in place. I, I really don't like the Monday morning kind of backing when they're talking about why was he walking versus why wasn't he running the whole time? Why is he out of breath? I mean, he's yelling at people. He's holding his breath. He's talking on the radio. He's trying to process a lot going on. And, um, you know, run that 400 meters and forget to breathe. See what happens. Well, yeah, n- not only that, like I have uh, where I used to work, there's this Bermuda Triangle of embarrassment and injury for me. <clears throat> when I was a very young rookie deputy, uh, I went to serve in a war- uh, an arrest warrant um, on this young, small, short Asian guy. That has relevance in the story, I promise. And um, it, it was a, par- a Department of Probation and Parole warrant. That guy wanted to stay like in the hedge line so he, he wasn't visible. And I just knocked on the door. And sure enough, the guy comes to the door. And I'm like, so he pops out. He's like, 
got a warrant for your arrest. So I'm like, okay, turn around. Um, and he did. He complied on his little front porch area. He turned around, and then he took off. Like, I mean, I have never seen anybody run in my life. So what did I do as a young rookie deputy? I put 100% into that foot chase. And I got on the radio, and I'm screaming for help and blah, 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 just, like, just to let people know where I am, basically. This is in the town and country area, if you're familiar with Hillsborough County. And I'm running, and all of a sudden, I felt as if my legs had been amputated because they just <laughs> completely came off. So I learned a very valuable lesson because as I was toppling head over heels, uh, watching you know my, my big arrests get away, um, it's, uh, y- your blood is going to rush to places. When your adrenaline's going, when you're um, when you're not used to running with all that equipment on, you've got to learn to pace yourself. You've got to learn to pace yourself because of your breath. You got to learn to pace yourself because of your muscles that are taking on uh, adrenaline, and your heart's pumping a little bit differently to get to those places. And sure enough, uh, I, you know it, it. It took me out. It completely. Yeah, I mean, it's just think about like anytime somebody rolls jujitsu for the first time, or rolls in any kind of wrestling, or or just you know, wrestling with their buddies, you know, three minutes seems like a lifetime on oh. your first day on the mats, you know, um, and that, you know, you couldn't go more than one three minute round with somebody. But as you learn to breathe and you learn how to deal with things and, and rest when you can and, and do all these little finer points, you learn that you can, you know, wrestle you know, for, you know, 12, 13 minutes if you had to. Yeah. Um, it's the same way. It's been that a lot of that comes to, you know, a lot of that is with experience and, um, Fulcanator in the chat says, we still need to see videos of Mike and Tansy rolling. It was terrible. It was awful. Um, <laughs> he rolled me like a pretzel several times. Um, <laughs> well, I don't think he was trying. Just so. a little life advice, uh, especially if um, Mike and Tansy are rolling. Uh, listen, you're going to have to reserve at least 20% for the fight. So it, whether you're in a vehicle pursuit, don't drive to 100% of your abilities. That's what the driver ahead of you is doing. Drive to about 80% of your abilities. Save 20% for your brain to process. Also, in a foot pursuit, save about 20% for the fight. When you get there, what are you going to do? You're going to tackle them and you're going to be 100% tired? No. It's um, definitely not like the movies. Like when, like when, I remember, and I write about this in my book, which... You know, a lot of you guys have submitted your emails addresses for, and it'll be coming. We'll have lots of news on that, hopefully this week coming up. Um, some really great news that I'm allowed to discuss. But um, anyway, I, I write about that in my book. Is that when my first foot chase, when they make that tackle, you assume that they get like the movies. The guy's just going to stop, and you put him in handcuffs. <laughs> Hell, that's even what you train. I tagged like, you, you. You train. I tagged you. Now let me put you in handcuffs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I did not think that guy was going to roll me over. And throw me into the guard, you know what I mean? Um, and, and, you know, so, yeah, you're right. You got to save that 20% for for the actual fight. And, God, I hope you know how to fight. And a lot of cops don't, and that's unfortunate. Um, and then, you know, we should spend more time. And I, I kind of feel like the way we're going with this, you know, kinder, gentler sexual harassment, you know, yeah. pro-gay, trans, how to deal with mental health, uh, we're spending a lot of time on those things and not a lot of time on what actually keeps us alive and what makes us do our job proficiently, which is rolling and, and jujitsu style uh, tactics. Go ahead and hit play on this. Oh, unless you had something else. Out nope. There. This guy is doing what he should be doing. Like you, you might need to take a break or two, but as long as you're still moving towards the threat, communicating and trying to keep your wits about you, go ahead, uh, hit play. Right now. I'm on foot. I need everybody I got. 
I need everybody you got. Well, he said I need everybody I got, but I knew what he meant. What? Yes! <laughs> Stops, acknowledges some human that's yelling at him. Uh, what that Fuck. was? Now we're at like 25 plus rounds shot. Yeah, here's the h and Yeah, we got people coming. Yeah. What, it, what this that is, is a long run. What he's saying is, yeah, we got people coming. He's walking by injured people, people who yes. are shot. So he's yeah. he's basically telling them, hey, sit tight. I got to go find this guy. 145, I believe we got a mass shooter. I got a mass shooter on the ground. Drop it! Drop it! Ricky! Now, stop it right there. I don't know what that is. He says, drop it, drop it. It appears that that's an injured person sitting there on the corner. Um, I, again, when you're in a mass shooting scenario like this, it's not always apparent who the mass shooter is. Yeah. So do you know what he was yelling at there? Was he yelling at a victim to, to drop it? No, I, I I think that he was yelling at the shooter. He may have seen the shooter. Um, okay. If, if you'll notice, he's keeping those uh, pillars as uh, cover or concealment, depending on you know what they're constructed of. But um, he, he is basically ducking in behind them. I, I think okay. he was yelling at the shooter. I, I don't know okay. for a fact, but okay. I, I think that's what he was doing. Well, it's important to mention that you you, you know a uh, cool dude in the chats brought up a good question. If there's a mass shooter, you know, should I try to help the cop? That's something you'll have to war game in your head. I think every scenario would be different. Um, and some scenarios, the cop might might appreciate your help, actually. Um, but in a lot of cases, that's a great way of maybe accidentally getting shot by the police. Yes. Um, I, I know that uh, I've had somebody help me in a foot chase before, and I was very thankful because may or may not have caught the guy, had this guy not had, um, you know, chased it down. Now, it's pretty stupid. He doesn't have any armor, and he doesn't have any tools. Um, but you know, I'm glad he did it. I'm glad he was there. I think that's just kind of something that you need to war game and you need to figure out how you're going to identify yourself and how you're going to, you know, are you going to be in just as much control as a cop? Are you going to be breathing correctly? Are you going to be able to make good shots? Um, with, you know, do you have enough training right now? I'm not talking about training that you had five years ago, training six years ago, you know, cops train almost on the daily. I mean, how many houses did you clear a night when you were on yeah. patrol? Yeah, I mean, yeah, every I mean, night you're clearing a house, every single night. Yeah. Alarm um, calls or, yeah. Alarm calls. I mean, every single night you will have your gun out of the holster in a inner city type scenario, whether it's, you know, hey, somebody's breaking into this house. Every time there's a break-in, you got to clear the house. And how many times have you cleared the house and there's been somebody hiding in the hamper, hiding in the closet? You know, how many times have you whipped open a closet door and there's been somebody actually in it? I mean, it's happened to me, I don't know, a handful of times. It's a very scary feeling. How many times have you gone into an attic and there's somebody actually up there? It's happened to me three or four times. So, you know, out of the hundred that you clear, three or four times there's going to be somebody in there. And that's something you have to account for. And if you are not used to that, if you're a rookie by yourself and you haven't been in that scenario with a, a, a training officer, that's when accidents happen. That's when you actually well, shoot somebody that's unarmed in a closet. This is a, a very low percentage. You're talking about three or four percent under your scenario. So you, you know you've cleared a hundred homes. There's been three different times when there are people in it. So that's only three percent. But let's let's put this in the frame of a joke. Uh, there, there was you know two golfers out getting ready to tee off, and uh, one golfer says, "Hey, I, I I'll, I'll give you um, I'll give you two gotchas if you give me two gotchas," meaning when you're in the backswing, I'm going to yell something and scare you. And they agree to this two gotcha system. And the first 
time the guy goes to to hit the ball off the first tee, he scares the shit out of him. Ah, gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, so Woo. he he shanks the ball. He never ever needed to use the second gotcha because he was always anticipating it, right? That's the same thing we do with these low percentage um, searches. Like you're going through a building, you're always waiting for the gotcha. Now you see this when you train in the academy, when you train people in the academy, we used to have this thing called, uh, I, I, I can't think of the term right now, but it was the end of the exercise. Um, it was the end of the um, of their training and we would do realistic scenarios. We would dispatch them to calls and all this. And it was alarming, fun, funny, and um, sad to see how every person to the man was waiting for the jack to jump out of the box. That's exactly how they treat every single call. Like you go in and it's just a simple, hey, I just found this ID at the Hooters parking lot. I just want to turn it into you. And they're like, sir, I'm going to need you to take a seat. Get off that phone. I don't know who you're talking to. Like, you know what I mean? So sometimes we do train for the jack to jump out of the box. Uh, this obviously is one of those scenarios where you need to do that, where you need to be on guard like that. But you're, you're, you're wasting precious uh, adrenaline uh, by, you know, when you're going through these houses like that. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, a lot of talk about like stopping an active shooter. I've wargamed it in my head in several different ways. If I'm at a festival and there's an active shooter, you know, how am I going to react at the festival? Am I going to, is my family with me? You know, because my family's safety, frankly, is the most important thing to me. So I'm not going to be a hero. You know, I'm going to be a hero to my kids and to my wife first. And I'm going to get them out of there and make sure they're safe before I'm going to try any kind of heroic deed. So my first thing I'm going to do is get my family to safety. If my family's not there, well, then I'll make a plan to move towards the sound of gunfire and to help. But I also need to not take away from the real first responder. If I see the cops are actively engaged and they're in the right direction, I'm going to lay down like everybody else and put my hands on my head like everybody else. I don't want to draw attention to myself and draw attention away from the work that needs to be done. If there's no cops and I'm the only one, I'm going to do it all. I'm going to do everything I can do to get to this shooter and stab him, shank him, distract him, sacrifice myself for somebody else, stay alive as long as I can until the cavalry gets there. But these are all things that that you have to mentally personal prepare yourself, choice. yeah. personal choices that you have to, but remember at the end of the day, um, you need to be more of a solution than you are a problem. Right. And, and you, uh, you also have to take into account that you don't know who the cops are and you don't know who the bad people are sometimes. And, so. and the cops don't know who you are. Exactly. You know, and, and listen, I show up to an active shooter scene and I see tech, the cool dude, you know, running around with a decked out, you know, AR pistol, you know, looking, looking for an active shooter. I don't know if he's looking for, yeah. Another victory max to shooter. So I'm going to yell, put it down. That's it. Your life is like in micro, just the small, like just macro, macro movements could end your life. It's what you do. Just the finest detail of what you do when I say put it down determines whether you live or you die. And that's on you. Like, I don't know if you throw your hands up as fast as you can. That might get you shot. And <laughs> maybe you put them up. I don't know. I can't tell you what movement is going to set me off to shoot you. And but, that's why you're going to have to live with every cop because every cop's going to be different and has a different threshold of how that, that scenario ends. You might have that rookie cop that's like drop it and pulls the trigger at the same time because of a sympathetic reflex. Where sure. He's not like meaning to, but his, his finger's on the trigger as it should be because you're an armed you know, potential suspect and his yelling, put it down might involuntary cause that, that reflex of 
pow, and you're dead. So, you know, that's got to be a risk that you're willing to take. I mean, if you've if you've got the shooter in your sights and you know it's the shooter, that's a different story. If you're if you're running after a shooter, especially with your gun out, you're going to be mistaken for the shooter. So, uh, it really is kind of a personal preference. Yeah, I've worked against no a thousand times. Yet, I mean, you you don't even know if there are police there yet. I mean, uh, I mean, it, it really is going to be. There are heroes all over the uh, all over the country. You remember the church shoot, shooting? I think it was in Texas also where. You know, the guy, the active shooter came into the church and, and the, one of the ushers was like, okay, and just took him out. Bitch. I mean, you know, that, yeah. that of I, course I mean, I'm all for that. Um, of course, like I said, wargaming this in your brain and, and coming up with a good plan is half the battle. And, uh, you know, for me, I've wargamed it a thousand times. If I shoot a mass shooter, if I'm at the mall and a mass shooter comes in and I have to shoot him first, I'm going to lay down on the ground and I'm going to spread my arms out and my legs as far as I can. Um, and then I'm going to... And I'm going to push that gun as far away from me. That's a shitty position to be in because now what if there's another mass shooter and he could pick up that game and end your life? I don't know. But my scenario is if I'm shooting somebody, I'm not just going to stand there with the gun in my hand um, because I, I think I have more of a chance of getting shot by a cop when he comes up or of another civilian that wants to be a hero. Uh, so I think once you eliminate that threat and you've made sure that threat's eliminated, um, you know, for me, I'm going to lay down. I'm going to spread my arms out. That's just a decision I'm making. You can have your own choices, and, you know, that's between you and God. There's a thousand ways to skin a cat. I've just always planned out in my head that if I'm the guy that kills the mass shooter, before the cops get there, I'm going to lay down like a little bitch, and I'm going to spread my arms and my legs out as far as I can get them in the most vulnerable position so that when the cops get there, they don't need to, you know, to question that I'm not a threat. It, it should be noted also that we do train when we tr when we taught active shooter or when we trained active shooter. Part of the scenario was when the team is moving in, you have a people a bunch of people just rushing out with their hands up. So sure. it kind of gets them used to seeing people running at them with their hands up who aren't a threat. And then maybe somewhere in there, the threat, you know, could be hiding. Well, if they get away. That's why we have detectives. Yeah, I'm not you know taking I'm that saying? chance because like, there's a lot of people yeah. that fail that scenario. Um, yeah, a lot of overweight women um, <laughs> in my scenario fail that 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 uh, that that position. A lot of higher up management um, failed that, and you don't know who's at the mall that day. It could be upper management. No clue. And, uh, typically, they're pretty terrible. Um, it's a lot of do what I say, not as I do. So I'm not taking that chance, Dan. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna fucking lay down and I'm gonna put my arms out, but. You know, I am definitely going to try to do what I can to save lives for sure. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to think that's what I'm going to do. So I'm not going to not do anything. But I think that's something that you personally need to war game in your own brain of how are you going to be more, you know, more help than you are harm. Go ahead and hit play. Let's get through this. Now, I will say that there's a lot of shooting going on. Maybe he's seen the suspect. Maybe he hasn't. This cop is nowhere near any kind of cover. He's got those pillars, but yeah, he's not. I ain't close enough to him to get to him if he gets capped. Which I don't care. I mean, it's more important to him to find a shooter. And there's just so many nooks and crannies here. This has just got to be... Panic has got to be setting in at some point, I would think. I'm getting claustrophobic I'm looking at it. I don't, know where he's at. I don't know where he's at, but you know you're close. Those rounds are really close. And, and I mean, those are real close. He's still shooting. And now those rounds are real fucking close. Yeah, they're getting close, like you can hear them. But he still can't see them. And he's looking everywhere. At least his body camera's looking everywhere. Right, left, a lot of echo going on here that he's having to deal with. 
All right, you'll and see he's the about trees. to take the final shots here in just yeah. a second. He's got his gun up. He's raised his gun. He One, takes a shot. Two, two three. He's going to get a better angle. Echo. You can see his brass ejecting. So a total of six shots, I think. Seven. Eight. Oh, yeah, that's a lot. Nine. I got him down. I got him down. A couple more for good measure. Yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah. Keep going. He's Keep he's going. got him down. It doesn't mean the threat's over. So. Right. Yeah, Will Craig makes a good point. He's walking by bodies. Um, you know that's, that's messing him up. That doesn't sit well. I'm over here by Lynch. I got him down. Now pause it really quick because I want you guys to pay attention to what happens next. Here's the adrenaline dump. He's at peak adrenaline. Can't get any higher than this. His tunnel vision had set in when he took that shot. So his brain had focused on the threat that's going to kill him. There's some really great psychology that goes into that. And, you know, look up the book On Killing um, by Colonel Grossman. It goes into this in detail, and it's, it's very fascinating stuff. But, I mean, it's, he can't get any higher than he is right now. And so now his body is stored up all of this adrenaline, all this will to survive, to live, to take out the threat. And now the threat's over. And that energy's got to go somewhere. Yes. And so watch as this adrenaline dump, um, which can be, you know, later on, it's going to be vomiting, could be crying, could be shouting, could be screaming. It's got to go somewhere. And there's going to be an overwhelming um, release of emotions. And, and he's just kind of burping it out right now. Go ahead. Here it is. Just a big, giant yell. That's getting out. Yeah, let it go. And you'll see his partner kind of has to talk him. I'm by some class up. I'm moving up on him. Who's this behind me? I mean, that adrenaline is just oozing out of him right now. Watch your fire! Just screaming. I got him down! Oh, yeah, let it out. I got I think so. I'm not hearing any gunshots. Is he down? He's fucking dead. He, he doesn't believe what his eyes are telling him. Down, bro. Is he down? The guy's like, yeah, he's down. He's still gone. His adrenaline is just. Oh, yeah. No, he's like, you good, bro. You good. You good. Like, you good. Like, am I good? You got him? He's like, like, he's missing his head. So, like, quit yelling at him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he can't hear you. But, no. uh, but yeah, but, but that just showed, okay, so let's talk about that for a second. I mean, he shot, what, seven rounds or whatever, and he's still screaming. And this is where the auditory exclusion gets in that nobody believes, that, that people just don't believe that it exists or whatever. You, your mind is going to play tricks on you in a situation like this. I, I was explaining to a friend who was telling me a story the other day about, there was a group of homicide uh, people out. They were getting ready to serve an arrest warrant on somebody in, in my old agency, and and uh, the guy started just popped out of a truck and just started shooting them, uh, sh shooting at them with a rifle. Uh, a, a few lessons were learned that day, and they taught it in in-service the following years. The, you know, hats off to those guys. Uh, one of them, first of all, it was very, very sad. Um, the only one person that died out of that was uh, just some innocent bystander, the father of a guy who was in the drive-thru at a McDonald's. Like he was an old, kind of an old Mexican guy, and he just, he was killed by the bullets. Uh, another thing, though, was that um, it was an old Impala, and uh, he kept, the, the sergeant kept his rifle in his trunk, 
uh, just like this guy would have done. But um, his uh, battery was shot out by the suspect. So when he hit the mm. trunk button, he had no way to get in. The key You don't have mm. a key to get into the thing. So he couldn't get to his rifle. He also had a, a guy come up along his side, a, a fellow detective, and start shooting with either his rifle or his shotgun. And he still swears to this day, like, I had no idea he was even there, let alone I didn't know he was shooting. And he shot off, you know, six, seven rounds, whatever. And they, you know, the guy got away, but eventually got caught. But um, this auto- auditory exclusion is a very real, it's not a phenomenon, it's it's a fact. I mean, it's going to happen when your adrenaline is is uh, coursing through your your mind and your, your body and... Um, you you don't know exactly like you're trying your best. This is what they call condition black or whatever. You're trying your best to. This is why we, we we do repetition in law enforcement training. It's so your muscle memory takes over. Like when you're out of am, ammunition and you throw that magazine out and you throw the other one in and you you move forward. You, you've done that so many times that when you're in condition black, you just do it. You you don't think mm-hmm. about it. You don't have to think about it. So. Uh, you know, this guy, uh, understandably, is just like, are we good? Are we good? Like, his eye is not, his eye is showing him right in front of him this bloody mess of a former suspect, and he mm-hmm. still doesn't believe that he's down. He needs reassurance from somebody who's there, and I'm quite sure he let it all out. Like, to the people that aren't in law enforcement or whatever, if you've ever had like a, a sustained, like a loved one that was dying for six months or eight months or whatever, and then that person finally dies, think about how how deep you slept for the next seven or eight days or nine days or whatever, because your body was always on guard for that amount of time. Then when it no longer had to be on guard, you just have the dump and you just you sleep deeply like your body is just shut down because you don't have to be on guard anymore that's what this guy's experiencing yeah it's gonna be a wave of emotions to follow this i mean it's gonna last all day um you know i remember a couple of my adrenaline dumps you know after a big car chase a big foot chase you know it for me was different every time um you know it started out very embarrassingly and i talk about it in my book my first adrenaline dump where they had to literally put me in a car and drive me away. Um, and it's happened twice. I mean, I, I'm a verbal dumper, so I like to talk like mad shit. After I win a battle, I'm the type that's like, fuck yeah, fuck you. I just fucked your day up, bitch. Who the fuck do you think you're fucking with, mother? You know, like, I, that was me. Like, I was that guy. Like, I wanted yeah. to keep going. Like, come on, bitch. You want to try to fucking end my life, motherfucker? Look at you now, you piece. You know, like, I would just yeah. dump on these dudes on body camera. And luckily, back when I worked, it wasn't so hypersensitive yet. The cops can't do that now. No. Now you, you fired instantly. Um, but, you know, no. in that time, that's what comes out naturally. I don't. I didn't plan on saying it. I never planned it. And so it wasn't until I was trained by a, a SWAT supervisor that says, like, hey, let's take a look at this. And, you know, you're an expert in all these fields. Like, you're great at running. You're in great shape. You, you can grapple. You can wrestle. Great. You can throw some punches. Great. You can, you know, try, like, all those things because you've thought about them and you've practiced them. Now let's start running through your head in a scenario of how, when you win these battles, can you go away with, like, some dignity and some pride and, you know... <laughs> I'm taking a hard look at that, you know, and then, you know, further on in my career, I can make these things happen and I can just look at them and be like, mm-hmm. <laughs> let me go to the office, boys. Somebody take me to the locker room. Daddy's got some venting to do. You know, I was able to, to handle those things, but 
you know, adrenaline dumps or something, you know, and listen, this one ended great because there was a shooting that needed to happen. And so we get it. But what happens when it's a, a, a shooting where you're in a, you know, just because this was a mass shooting and it ended the way we all wanted it as a society doesn't mean that that adrenaline doesn't happen with the same cop that's in his first car chase. Uh, An officer in his first car chase over a stolen car, his body is reacting the same exact way as this mass shooter. Now, you're saying, well, a stolen car is nothing compared to a mass shooter. Well. But but, when uh, your first one in your brain, yes, it is. Yeah, your your body doesn't know the difference. Your body doesn't know the difference. And so you're going to act sometimes in a way that you know, unfortunately is unsuitable to civilians. And you might pull out your gun and shoot this, that, that same guy and do the same things that this guy does. So, you know, I think those are all important things to take note as a civilian that the police officers have to deal with. And sometimes when you see officers go over and beyond, it's because there is an overwhelming amount of adrenaline that, that's, you know, they didn't ask to be in that position and they were put there. You, you and they can were put in that it- position. Yeah, you can call it celebratory all you want. Well, you know what, Eric? I mean, that's a great point. Let's let's break that down just a little bit. When you when you're in that car chase and you're reserving that eighty percent, like I said, uh, and you actually th- this is when people get into trouble with the use of force. This is when their adrenaline yeah. takes over, and sometimes that adrenaline dump is like, "Hey, stop." Stop hitting him. You don't like, and you're not thinking of hitting him. Yeah. You're thinking Listen, of. I, I had a dude slap me in the face, and I literally blacked out until an old man was like, "Okay, he's had enough. He's had enough." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh shit!" Like, right. how fucked am I? Luckily, this dude was, you know, completely out of his mind, drunk, and we were in a parking garage, and I guess there was no cameras up there, thankfully. But you know, I mean, was I mad? Like, was there any malice? Was there any hate in my heart? No. Um, but you know, it, it was a pretty traumatic experience leading up to the slap as well. And after the slap, you know, it, what happens happens. You know, but you know, thankfully I came out on top of that and I wasn't in, in too much of trouble. So you know, uh, as an officer, that's why it is super important to train. Um, and to think about and to war game these scenarios so that you don't become one of these guys on the news yeah. that's adrenaline dumping. It, you know, there was a female that we covered on this show that shot somebody in the street and she was like, yeah, bitch. Yeah. And we talked about that adrenaline dump. It's all the same. It's all the same thing. So again, like when, when to, somebody to, is trying to kill you, I, I think it would kind of be a natural reaction to kind of react to it. I mean, I, I do understand the public perception, but the public's not being killed. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. you, until you walk a mile in my shoes, you're not going to understand what I'm I'm going through. This is the distance, Eric, that the guy shot. I mean, I know it's not the scale and all that, but um, that was the officer's shooting position, and that's where the mass shooter was down. So, man, look at that. I mean, like, he, he that's, that's another, um, like, I guess, commercial for carrying your rifle, having it handy, making sure that you're proficient with it. Uh, Making sure the battery in your little ACOG, or not your ACOG, but your uh, your your um, red dot, and make sure yeah the battery is good and that you didn't accidentally leave it on over you know <laughs> night you know yeah. all those things are important because you know well what if he what if he raised that red dot and it wasn't there yeah right what's or, his plan yeah, like, there what's your plan just, there yeah or if he had just trained without it you know or trained with it instead of mm-hmm. training without it. And that's just an enhancement, you know. What no I'm backup. What if you had no iron yeah. sight backup? You know, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. Um, that's why we always carry extra batteries and everything. These are all things to think about. I want to go into one more thing before we get out of here, Drew. Um, I I feel like uh, as inappropriate as this is, I feel like this 
shooting needs a montage soundtrack and what kind of soundtrack would you play mm. um if you were to be so inappropriate as to put a soundtrack behind this uh what would you like here comes the boom ready or not you know like uh, the big like, moto uh, um i, I don't know I, I i'm wondering like um um, Mama, I'm coming home. Yeah, Slow mo. I, I would want something up. like. I'm a- coming Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, I, would, I would want something <laughs> intense, but I, I would want. I want the office soundtrack. Have you ever seen the guy on Instagram, by the way, that plays. People's like regular monologues from either movies or TV or whatever, and he plays guitar over it like it's an emo song. Yeah, uh, yes. it's, it's brilliant. But but uh, so I'm thinking like uh, like the beginning of a Tool song. You know what I mean? Oh, Where it's just like okay. it's very intense, but it's slow. Like you got to slow. Uh, you're hearing all the notes. You're hearing every snare yeah. drum and bass drum and mm. bass. Then doom 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 doom. You know what I mean? Like you just uh, you're in the moment. But you're still around here. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe like a uh the final countdown. As he's running. Um all right, that is enough inappropriateness. But listen to what street cops are gonna do in the locker room, right? Yeah, it is. It is. Definitely. That's what I mean, as fucked about. up as it is, that's where our brain's going to go. That's how you're going to deal with this shit. Uh, we're going to put a soundtrack to it, play it out in our uh, cu- uh, cupcakes and cocaine. I'm just kidding. Cupcakes and cameos. says, let the bodies hit the floor was what I was thinking a lot of. All right. Bodies hit the floor. Fair enough. Uh, I'm for it. Um, Tactical Dudes has a little double bass pedal. It's a must. All right. I got you. I'm feeling it. It probably would not be uh, like Speak Now Taylor's version, which came out at midnight. My, uh, I like stuff. the Shake It Off by Brian W. Shake it off. It could be. Shake it off. The man out there with the hammer gun hair. What about the uh, Sopranos theme? Okay. I can see that one. Yeah. I can see the Sopranos song. What about, uh, what about the intro to <laughs> End of Watch? I don't I'm remember that. I am a consequence. I am the law. If you run, I will chase you. If you shoot at me, I will shoot back. <laughs> no, you don't remember that? No. One of the greatest openings to any movie of all time. I, I could just watch the beginning of that movie and uh, and just get me pumped up for shift. Somebody says the Game of Thrones soundtrack. How about this? Uh, yada, yada, yada. Ding, 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 ding. At the end, where he's like, Am I good? Am I good? He's like, You're good. He's dead. Smoke weed every day. Um, <laughs> how about this one? Clap along if you feel like a room without a roof, cause I'm happy. Clap along if you feel like happiness is a joke, cause I'm happy. Clap along if you feel like happiness is a joke.